Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. First of all, it's, it's when, the, when the lights come on, the freaks come out at night. So, you know, when they come on, it's time to shine. You're listening to the From the Pink Seats podcast, powered by the State of Louisville Network. Jacob Lane, Matt McGavick, we are back for the second new episode of From the Pink Seats. We just heard from Aaron Sorensen, who covers the Nebraska football program for Hale Varsity. Uh, a lot of great stuff there, uh, and just a lot of really interesting things about Luke McCaffrey. Matt, we have talked about um, McCaffrey now quite a bit, uh, and I think Louisville fans are now in the place where they just want to see it. They want to see what's going to happen. Uh, but that's not all that's going on in spring practice, as we've talked about. A lot of things happening. We are at the back end of spring practice. We heard from Scott Satterfield for the first time since uh, spring practice kicked yeah, off last set. week. Uh, heard from a couple of different coaches. You know, interesting. There's there's enough to talk about here for a full episode, Matt. But first of all, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good. It's a weird part of the sports season where several sports are intermingling at once. We've got football spring practice, obviously, but basketball's at the tail end heading into March Madness. I mean, as of this recording, it's March 1st. So March Madness is back, baby. And then, of course, you've got my bread and butter baseball. So having all three of those sports kind of pull me at once, it's a it makes me want to tear my hair out if I had any hair, but I'm, I'm enjoying it nonetheless. I see how you got the big, the big bald egg from covering all these sports, uh, you know, week by week, five different games in one day. You're like, hold on, I'll be to the podcast after I get off this coach interview and this, this, all of these different things that you have going on. Thank you for taking time for the show, Matt. Uh, as I said, we've got a great, a great show in order. We're going to talk about a lot here. Matt has, in his soft J journalism job this week, been <laughs> on the press conferences and has gotten to ask some questions and talk to the coaches. This week we heard from Pete Thomas, quarterback's coach. We heard from Scott Satterfield, the head coach of the program. And then we heard from Court Dennison, the outside linebackers um, and co-defensive coordinator. I believe he still holds that that, that title. Yeah, that I'm correct? pretty sure he's still Cody. It's weird. You don't really ever hear that much when you when you talk about the defensive coordinator position. But tell me this week. Um, one thing from each press conference that stood out to you, let's start with coach Satterfield because he talked earliest in the week. What was it that you heard from him that, that just kind of sticks with you today? Well, you know how up to this point we've, we've heard from several coaches and they all say glowing things about each player in their uh, position group. They, they want to, they try and hype them up, not really try and hype them up, just make them sound better than they are, but they're, they're always really high on their guys. And just talking to Satterfield, he, he kind of said a little bit of the same, like, yeah, like the guys are, are performing really well, but he, he also said, Hey, still got to get better. Still got to get better. Still got to get better. He kind of brought, and that was just in his opening statement too. Like, yeah, this is, a, this is an evaluation period where this is where we're trying to figure out who is going to be the next guys to kind of stand out. So while he, he, he still sold on his guys just as much as the rest of the other coaches are, but he, he kind of uh, reeled us in a little bit saying like, Hey, our guys are good, but we still got work to do. We still have progress to be made. There's still positions that need to be won in the position battles through spring and then summer workouts, fall camp, yada, yada, yada. But it was still nice to see him in the same room say that, Hey, I, I like what I see so far. And then with uh, 
Pete Thomas and Malik Cunningham, they kind of talk to the same time. And you can, and Jacob, take a wild guess as to what they talk to. I'm going to guess that the theme of that press conference was definitely the job Malik did at throwing touchdowns last year, right? <laughs> it wasn't turnovers. There's no way anybody asked about that. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, no, no, turnovers were definitely not – we're not talk, uh, talked about. I'm joking. Yeah, of course, turnovers were brought at some point. And they've kind of – it's like we've talked about before on, on this show how Malik kind of has to develop the rapport with some of these new receivers that are stepping into these roles in the wake of uh, Tutu Atwell and Des Patrick moving on to the NFL. And fortunately, it seems like they've already long been working on that because se- and several of these guys have already been here for a year, like your Jordan Watkins and – Justin Marshalls and Josh Johnson, all that. So it's people who's already been here for more than a year. So it's not going to take a whole lot. It's just more so on the receivers end to kind of step up into that new increased role. And with the guys that are coming in, like uh, Mari Huggins, Bruce, Wirtz, Demetrius Cannon, they've already made progress in uh, both on and off the field and like building those relationships, building that chemistry early on that's needed to actually uh, convert their their raw talent into production. So and, and and that was good to hear. And plus, Pete Thomas, when he was talking about the subject, he was kind of getting into the nitty gritty of uh, what exactly Malik has to actually work on when it comes to you know preventing some of these turnovers. And something that kind of stood out to me, he he doesn't actually get in Malik's ear all the time and say, "Hey, you can't turn the ball over, can't turn the ball over, can't turn the ball over." He really made it a point to say, "Hey, I'm not going to be the guy that just, just says, hey." You can't do this. Don't do it. He's more so working on like, okay, do this, this, and this, and this, and this to make sure that you don't do that. And a couple of the things that stood out was that, of course, stay uh, stand, stay in the pocket. Don't try and scramble whenever the first read's not there. And whenever you have to do scramble, two, two hands on the football. Don't be throwing that thing out there like a loaf of bread. And then whenever the play is done, if you don't have any other receiver, dump it to the running back. And even Malik said it, Malik and Satterfield said it a lot that they've been working on dumping out to the running back a lot yes. more finally, than the years past. Finally, Javian Hawkins last year, he finally caught a pass out of the backfield. And as we ha- we went into last year on the Big Red Lake podcast, I talked about all the time, the big wrinkle this year has to be throwing the ball to the running back, checking the football down. He did not do that one time in 2019. And he did in 2020. It got better. It wasn't great. But I love to hear that because you, when you have speed out of the running back position – just throw him the football. It's a screen. It's a screen pass. You know, if he's open, give it to him and let him make a play. Mm-hmm. They just never seem to be able to figure out how to do it. Right. Check downs and first downs. I mean, he even used that phrase to him. And you would think in, a, in an offense as dynamic as this one, that a simple check down to the running back would be something that'd be more ingrained in their system. But then again, I'm not a college coach. I'm not an offensive coordinator. What do I know? And then uh, lastly, we had a uh, court Dennison and Monty Montgomery just a couple days ago and court can't talk enough about how deep has got his, uh, his starting position players are at the outside backer, especially at a, uh, at card. I based on what we saw at the end of the season with a uh, yes. Yes. Here, Abdullah. I think it's, it's going to, he's going to have a monster 2021 because he's, he's continuing to say that he looks like a man possessed. He he's performing well in spring and then his, and his, Oh God, who's his backup? Uh, Nick Okiki. Yep. He he's performing well and he's being that leader that he needs to be. He's arguably can be, he's probably the best leader in that outside like linebackers group and then position a dog. It, it's going to be an open competition between Marvin Dallas and Zay Peterson, but they're both, it's not like either of them, can't separate and sit there both doing so well that it's you can't even begin to name a starter at this point so th- there's and we've talked about how something that louisville on the defensive side of the ball really needs to do is work on getting more negative plays and based off what we've heard so far at least from that position maybe not so much the defensive line but it sounds like the outside backer is going to make up for a lot of ground that uh, needs to be made up yeah I, I, let me just kind of jump back to Scott Satterfield. The thing that I I heard him say this week that really intrigued me. um, And the reason why it intrigued me might be selfish because I heard a little bit of him saying Jacob Lane was right when he said this on the, from the pink seats podcast, but he said the nose tackle is a problem. (laughs) He he flat out said, does tell's not healthy. That's an issue. That's a thing right now. We got to, he said, I think his quote was, we have to be better. And I've told you, that's my concern on the defense. That nose tackle position is just a glaring red flag. No offense to Malik Clark. Malik Clark has played extremely well. To the fact that two years ago when Scott Satterfield's first season happened, I didn't know who Malik Clark was. And then you start hearing his name every couple of plays or every once in a while behind Gigi and Jared Goldwire. Uh, and then last year he, was, he was, wasn't healthy, stepped into the role. I think he's a good player, but is he a starter? I don't think so. That 
Scott Satterfield talking about the nose tackle position tells me everything I need to know. And and you were absolutely right. He mentioned that, yeah, not only is, is uh, Louisville not that great, mo- mainly because Desmond Tell is still out with an injury he suffered against UVA last year. But he even said that th- might, it's what you've been saying the last few episodes. Louisville's uh, next defensive tackle is probably not even on the roster yet. No, I don't like, think and, so. And they're, and they're still looking into the, throughout the semester and into the summer. He yeah, straight because, up said that. And there's going to be players who, like Marquis Lowry transferred, and we got we finally got word of that last week before the Luke McCaffrey thing. I think that we're going to see after spring ball a couple more guys head out because they see that there's just not a clear-cut step into the role like they maybe kind of thought it was. And I'm not going to throw names out there because I don't think that's fair. But no. um, I think that there's going to be a scholarship open up at some point, and Louisville's going to have the opportunity to go out and nose tackle better be the position of focus from day one. The second thing I thought about, and I don't really want to spend too much time on this, but um, I, and I, I totally nerded out the other night texting you about this. Scott Satterfield called out Trevor Reed, second coach to now talk about Trevor Reed this offseason. Jack Bignell got an offensive line boner talking about Trevor Reed. Like he's <laughs> like, man, that's an athlete. I don't know if he could play, but he's an athlete. And then Scott Satterfield says that they have now getting him first team reps. Adonis Boone has started to move inside to guard, which I find to be really interesting because I thought the guard positions are kind of settled. Maybe I'm wrong here. That right. right that right guard position is going to be the one I'm kind of watching. But Caleb Chandler is by all you know means and purposes the starter at left guard, unless there's something that I don't know. You're right. talking I, about a fifth year senior. I would think that that's the guy you want out there. Played every snap just about last year. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Reed's going to be like the the every day, every down left tackle, starting left tackle. I think he's going to get his fair share of reps because he's too good of an athlete to not see the field. I mean, we've we've seen him do a a backflip and he's a 300 pounder. I mean, I'm 270 and I can't do that. And, and that's more of a real function on me than him, <laughs> yeah. but I'm going to move on from that one. It's so good. You earlier, you got it on me for saying I'm not Ed McCaffrey and here you are like, I'm 270 pounds and I can't do a flip. Well, no shit. You can't do a flip, Matt. Yeah. I, not I, an I offensive tackle. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't think about that, but I, I, I digress, but um, I still think uh, Adonis, <laughs> I can't stop laughing. Okay. Mm, serious. Trying to th- picturing you trying to do a flip is just pure art in my head right now. Gosh. Uh, oh Jesus! Anyways, I, I think uh, I think Adonis Boone is still going to be uh, the main starter at left tackle and still take the majority of reps there. But I still think it's going to have we're going to see Trevor Reed get to get in there. I think it might be 65, 35, maybe even 60, 40. But I think Adonis is still the starter there, it's just because, like you said, I think Caleb Chandler is still still really performing at a relatively high level, and I still think unless we're not seeing something in spring practice, which media didn't have access to it this year because of the pandemic. But I, I, I'm still picturing Cole Bentley as being the main starter at center. I mean, like I said, kind of with um, with Trevor Reed at left tackle, I still think Brian Huston could probably get some steps there because he's got experience at center. And then we have the, right, like you said, right guard. Who's going to get there? Is it going to be Robbie Bell? Is it going to be Brian Hudson? Is, is, is Camden George finally going to make the decision if he's going to come back? I, cause I still have no idea what's going on on that, on, on that. Camden George is pulling a, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of a comparison here. He is pulling a Peyton Manning. He is pulling a, I don't need to go through my seventh camp, my seventh spring practice. I'm going to chill. I'm going to figure it out. And then I'll let you know. Brett Favre is a good example. He used to try to skip training camp every year. That's but true. like when you've been playing college football for 14 years, like Cameron to George, it makes sense to want to skip that. I want to create a little bit of a controversy here. This is what I was talking about when I was nerding out the other night, I was texting you watching the Pete Thomas video that U of L released on their social media, which by the way, I already really liked Pete Thomas because he let me ask him an arena football question without getting <laughs> upset. Um, you know, some coaches don't like to be playful like that. I thought that no. was a, that was a fun interview that we did with him, but uh, I love him. His coaching is it's, it's, it fits right in. I see why Scott Satterfield hired him. He, he fits right in on that staff. But I was nerding out in the final five seconds of that video because you see Tyler Jensen throw a pass. And essentially what they do is they rotate from third string to first string. And you see five offensive linemen walk into the screen. And I press pause to see who the five offensive linemen were. And they were not who I thought it would be. Now, this is, this is spring practice. So they're rotating right. guys in here, whatever the case is. But that, for this podcast, nobody needs to know that. Here's the five <laughs> offensive linemen. Trevor Reed at left tackle, I'm assuming. All right. Caleb Chandler. Okay. Brian Hudson. Okay. Center, I assume. Renato Brown. Okay. Joshua Black. That was the five that were running first team with Malik. And I paused it and I rewinded. I looked at numbers. I went to the roster. 
I thought it was interesting. Like, I know it's just a video, but this gives us a little insight into something that I predicted when I wrote about Jack Bignell. Everything that we knew about this offensive line goes out the window. Now, Dwayne Ledford's yeah. guys aren't Dwayne Ledford's guys anymore. They're now Jack Bignell's guys. So we're going to start to see some of these younger guys get rotated in. But I'm talking about that's two starters from last year who are back that aren't in the starting lineup. And that and that's just one play. I get it. For all people out there, right. Anything. right. Joshua Black, nobody expects him to be a starter on this offensive line. Brian Hudson over Cole Bentley. Cole Bentley's back for a fifth season. That's an upset right there. I know he's a transfer with a lot of potential, but to to, uh, to be able to unseat a, a fifth-year senior, that's crazy. And then Trevor Reed, which we kind of talked about. Moving forward, let's talk about uh, last here, Court Dennison. And this is more of just uh, something I'm curious in your opinion on because I don't I don't know if he was asked this, but he talked about he's really excited about his starters, really excited about the card position, really excited about the dog position. And I know he doesn't coach the inside linebackers, or at least he didn't used to. I think Derek Nicholson coaches the yeah, inside D- linebackers. Yeah, D- D- so has got those. So we'll probably hear from him this week. Uh, I would imagine him and Greg Gasparato are the last two coaches that will speak with the media. Um, But I'm interested to hear about the backups here. And you talked a little bit about it at the outside linebacker position uh, with Nico Kiki. Cam Wilson is a guy I'm curious to kind of see what the progress is there. On the card card side, uh, Scott Satterfield talked about Jack Fago. He talked about him fitting in really well and doing some things at card. You talked about Zay Peterson and Marvin Dallas. But I'm curious to know about the inside linebacking depth. I'm curious to know about Dorian Jones and KJ Cloyd. Yeah, I, I want to hear more about KJ back. Cloyd. That's something I would kind of, I'm curious of what, you know, when those guys come to the podium this week, what are, what are some things that you're kind of trying to figure out uh, in the final couple of coaches? Right. Cause I remember looking at a KJ Cloyd Shuko film and very first play out of the gate is just, he's, he's, he's like a bullet train going after the whoever's in the backfield. He, he had incredibly impressive film. Now it's, it's Juco. It's not the ACC, but he was someone who I thought would be a little bit more impactful, like maybe not directly out of the gates, but, you know, as the season went on, like maybe got a little bit more playing time, maybe was a little bit more evident on the gridiron, but he, he, he was mainly just on special teams. And that's not, that's not saying that's a bad thing because that's special where you got to start. Yeah. You got to yeah. start. But it, it was interesting to see, maybe, maybe he took a little bit more time to acclimate to, you know, power five football coming out of Juco, but I, I think he's got a lot of potential and I think he could, he could be what Monty Montgomery was last year with Monty Montgomery elevation starter now. Yeah. That, I, I that might be, Good maybe that might be a little bit too bold of a prediction because I don't, that would assume that he would see the amount of, you know, snaps that Monty saw last year, but I think that's what the roles could be potentially um, evolve into. If I, if I gone to head, had to choose, or I had to kind of determine how the rotations are at inside the linebacker, specifically at a, a middle or weeks, so whichever one that is. Yeah, yeah. I think that obviously Monty's starter, but then KJ Cloyd is going to be what Monty was last year. Yeah. I think that that's, that's a good um, kind of opinionated prediction there. I, I, I thought that and we kind of talked about this a little bit, but towards the end of the season, when Louisville got the younger guys out on the field, um, special teams, defense, they looked faster. They looked like they were kind of flying around. And Cloyd was a big reason for that. Same with Marvin Dallas. So to get those guys in the field on defense is, is something I'm really excited about. And Dorian Jones, is he's been here. He's in that first class. Uh, injured a couple of years, hasn't gotten to play much. So he's a guy I'm interested to see get on the field. All right, final thing here. Like I said, we're going to go into the week. I'm assuming the coaching pool that they're going to pull from is Coach Brewer, Coach Holt. Coach Gusperato and um, uh, 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 Coach Nicholson. Uh, what are some things that you kind of are expecting? And this is, it's spring. So like, it's going to be kind of hard to predict this, but what are some of the things right. that you're kind of storylines expecting some of your, your fellow journalists to kind of ask? And, and what are you kind of wanting to learn this week and next week? I think with Coach Brew, I think it's just going to be like the very first thing is going to be how, who, how are they going to step up with losing the top two receivers? Because Tutu and Dez, they were literally half the receiving production, both in receptions, yards, touchdowns, all that. Literally half of your production in the passing game is now gone. How are the guys that are returning and how are the guys who are incoming going to step up into these roles? I think with the inside linebacker, we're going to have probably it's going to be centered a lot on TJ Avery and his his decision to kind of come back and how uh, Monty Montgomery is is handling uh, his increased role, his increased leadership, because he did speak uh, whenever Court did this. And even though he was outside linebackers when he was talking and he talked about how he's treating this year a lot more seriously. He's not in the back of the meeting room goofing off with the young guys. He's he's being a being a lot more level headed, being a lot more of a vocal leader and just a leader in general 
and it, it, it it's a good it's a good step in the right direction. Not saying that he needed that step in the right direction because he's already a phenomenal player, and I think he's great for the the inside linebackers room. But I, it, it's it's great to see that. And then out of Sue Holt, it's going to be interesting. I think it's obviously going to have I asked about Marshawn Ford because he's probably the most productive returning pass catcher. Period. Because I, I'm pretty sure I can't remember how many touchdowns he he had, but I know it's, it was the most out of the active guys returning. Yeah. So obviously we're going to get questions about him. Then we're going to ask about some of the guys behind them, and then some of the, the two newcomers, what their roles are going to be, how they're going to fit into the scheme. And I, I can't wait because there's still a lot to still a lot to ask. There's still a lot to find out. Yeah, we're we're going to see what we're going to find out. Hopefully nothing too. I don't want to say controversial, but nothing too out there. They're not really expecting. Sure. And and for the Louisville football fans who are questioning whether you're in the right spot, if you were really into football, like you love it so much, and you hear Matt getting excited about asking about the backup tight ends, you've made it to the right podcast. Go ahead and hit subscribe, share with a friend. Like you know you've made it when you when you hear Matt's analysis on the backup tight ends. I mean, I was uh, talking about how I wrote about walk-ons the last episode. <laughs> there is no questioning your journalism here, Matt. Like your 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 work at work at alone deserves the capital j in this world you you're doing a great job and you carry Thank us you. in terms of the journalistic approach here on this on this podcast so we're, we're going to wrap things up here um hopefully you guys will continue to tune in and listen give us a follow on uh, twitter at uh, pink seats pod from I, I never can remember the twitter handle but I, pink seats pod, no, it, it was pink seat pods you had it right I always get that mixed up. Uh, be sure to follow Matt at General Wass. You can follow me at Jacob Lane 08. And also be sure if you are also into Louisville baseball, make sure that you are checking out the third and central podcast just launched last week with uh, Louisville baseball head coach, Dan McDonald, uh, Matt and Matt at bat is our secondary name for that. And you guys, are doing I cannot a great believe job it. <laughs> of, of course, my girlfriend comes up with that, like, half an hour after she realized that I have a baseball specific podcast and I just, we did I'm not going to service man I'm not going to lie when I saw that that notification scroll across my phone I was just like damn that's we, good we may be headed towards a complete rebrand here before we get into episode <laughs> two but be sure to follow uh the third and central podcast uh subscribe to that anywhere podcasts are found also be sure to follow that on twitter and then all of our other podcasts that are out there i mentioned the red chips podcast with dalton pence find that anywhere podcasts are found and then starting 502 that is f i v e the number o and the number two that is the, the louisville basketball podcast hosted by will reddington and presley meyer we have no shortage of podcasts here and there's anything and everything for the louisville fans out there um and continue to listen to those continue to share those with your friends continue to share those with your grandparents whoever is interested in the louisville sports make sure that they know that those podcasts are out there we'll catch up with you next week kind of hit the nail on the head here what's his role this year is it like let's just like kind of redshirt you let's sit you down have you watched film have you become the new evan conley on the sidelines well, he's already redshirt so that's not in play right but this season is kind of an extra free season right that last well, oh, year yeah. you know that's what i'm saying true. like he's gonna be he's gonna be a redshirt freshman again technically i know that it'll probably change on the roster but it's his third season he's not gonna start games at quarterback uh, so do you use him as a weapon and allow yourself to have another dynamic person out there who can do multiple things to kind of take the pressure off of Malik Cunningham, or do you fully immerse him as a quarterback and say, you are going to do nothing but study how to be a quarterback. You know what I'm saying? There's a big difference there. I think at first they probably should immerse not only him, but both TJ Lewis and the full quarterback experience just to see how it pans out because something Louisville shouldn't do. They shouldn't get in a habit of recruiting quarterbacks and that, and then not promising that they're going to be a quarterback. I mean, cause you know, some, some guys you can just tell from day one that they might not be a quarterback, but I, when I remember when watching TJ Lewis's film, I, I know I, he was also a very raw prospect, but I, I really liked his deep ball. I thought there was a lot of potential there. I honestly thought there was probably more potential there than with McCaffrey. And then the conversation there is that he's going to get his reps at QB, but he might not stay there. And it sounds like it, it based off what we've seen with McCaffrey, that it's going to be the same deal there. Louisville has to be very careful with how they approach this current situation, because if, if they take not only Lewis, but McCaffrey as well and transfer them out of their quarterback position, what's that going to say for future quarterback prospects and recruiting? Right. And at that point, not only have you 
not recruited the quarterback position well, right? Because let's think about it. T-Webb has left. Chubba Purdy never showed up to Louisville. You get TJ, TJ Lewis, but by all accounts, you've, you've been very clear. He, with he, he's, he's not he was ready. a consolation prize because the program lost out on several QB targets over the last cycle. Right, exactly. And then you end up with Shea Wirtz, who changes positions. And then you bring in McCaffrey, say he changes positions. Then you really, really have to wonder about the program's ability to scout talent at that position, which it's crazy because Zach Thomas, I watched a lot of Zach Thomas, a lot of, um, uh, I can't remember his first name, but the last name was Lamb, the quarterback that played at App State before, I think Taylor Lamb was his name, yep. played at App State before Zach Thomas took over as a true freshman. They were they were ballers, man. Their quarterback was never an issue, but here we are in year three. They've had three recruiting classes now, and there is still no clear-cut person that you say, that's the guy after Mikhail Cutting or Malik Cunningham. There's not. And if they don't get one this offseason in the recruiting class, next year is when it starts to go downhill. Like, I'll be very mm-hmm. honest with you. You can track coaching, uh, the coaching carousel, and when coaches get fired and when coaches move on based off of how good their quarterback situation is, if you go four years and you aren't able to get a, an impact person to play quarterback, at that point, I think you've lost the fans' ability to trust you to scout that position and that talent. As a former quarterback, Scott Satterfield, I find that to be very interesting. Yeah, it's odd. They, they, like you said, they, they absolutely have to find their quarterback of the future. Maybe it's McCaffrey. Maybe it's Lewis. I mean, we haven't gotten to see them in person yet. I mean, but we'll see. I, I, I sincerely hope that they find that they are able to take these two guys that came in this year do something well with them. I hope they're able to hit the recruiting trail and find a quarterback prospect to not only get to sign with Louisville, but stay with Louisville. I'm having T Webb transfer out that that was shocking, but then it, it, it was kind of odd to see him come in because he wasn't that heralded of a recruit. I think where he landed tells you everything you need to know. And that's, you know, not and, that Southern Miss is a bad program, but. Louisville and to be up front, that's happened Southern with Miss. that's happened right. with several prospects already. Yeah. I mean, T. Webb went to Southern Miss. Uh, Jackson Gregory, I I'm not Stony sure where he's Stony Brook. Stony they played in the A in the um, the uh, not the A Sun, but the uh, American Conference in college basketball. Steve but, Pick Picknell, who's now the coach at Rutgers, was the basketball coach at Stony but, Brook. There's your but, Stony Brook facts of the day. Yeah, no kidding. But long story short, there have been a few prospects here and there, not the, in- the entire class by all means, but because, of course, there are several high-end, high-quality recruits in this class, like, you know, your Benjamin Tiberi's, your Victor Browns and all that. But it seems like there's at least – there's been at least one prospect in each class or so that is an extreme project. Like so- someone that you just kind of look at and you see their offer sheet and you're like – how did they end up here? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like why? Why why go after someone who who's whose best offers from a D two school or something along that nature? Now yeah. so maybe they're trying to go for the diamond in the rough and by all means if they think they can go for it. But then again, you have to start hitting on some of these at some point. Yeah, and, and it's an interesting point you make there about transfers. And I think if you look at where Louisville had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. They've had twelve players transfers out out of the program um, this off season, or or really back to the start of last year, right? I'm going to read off where they've gone to school. I'm not going to associate names with who, but Arkansas State, Stony Brook, Missouri State, Towson, Chattanooga, Jackson State, Southern Miss, Kansas State, and Virginia. I think that tells you a lot about the talent that was left over on the roster. Um, and not to, that has nothing to do with the quarterback situation, but T-Web going to Southern Miss kind of tells you where they were. They missed on the talent evaluation there. Just yep. he was not the guy. Um, and I think what you're saying is that Louisville doesn't have a clear-cut option for next year in terms of who takes over. Uh, if you listen to the Red Chips podcast on the State of Louisville Podcast Network with Dalton Pinch, you will have heard that um, he doesn't have good thoughts about Louisville and Gavin Wimsett uh, out of Owensboro. That's not great. You, you would like to think that guys in the, within the state would be kind of really considering Louisville. He's a, he he made their top eight. That's a that's a good spot to be in. But it's a good sign. They just they just missed the final four. I think it, on um, uh, Duffy AJ Duffy. I think is his name. Sam mm-hmm. Horn is a guy that's still out there. They've got a couple of high level four star guys, but I don't think there's anybody who feels confident they're going to land them. Um, there's nothing to this point to make you feel confident about that. And that's as much as we, I want to focus on 2021. I can't help but worry about the quarterback position moving forward. There's just not a lot of you know set in stone things that you feel comfortable about. And we've kind of reached the point where once if Malik moves on after this season, do you, do you give the keys to the car to Evan Conley? 
do you give, do you give it to him for a year or do you kind of go with one of these 2021 guys that came in or maybe even a 2022 guy and kind of groove him? And I wonder what his mindset through all this is, because I know he's, he's shown his potential before. I mean, he's, he's shown that he's, he's cleared the backup at some points, but he's he, like we said, he is 100% the backup. Once Mikhail, once um, Cunningham is gone, it's going to be his time to shine, but is it, is it really going to be his time to shine? I guess is the simplest way to put it. Or is it going to go to maybe uh, Lewis or McCaffrey or whoever that the staff brings in between now and when it's time to take the starting field. Yeah. And, and this is the last thing we'll say. We've, we've kind of beaten this dead horse here talking about the quarterback position. I think that um, it's a good conversation to have though, because this is kind yeah. of what you find out in spring. But um, I think that McCaffrey has got to be excited about his chances to win the job. And I, I think obviously that that seems like kind of a dumb thing to say because he just transferred here. So that kind of confirms that, but um, he, he's a guy who was, like I said, he was a former four-star recruit. He chose Nebraska over Ohio state, uh, North Carolina, Ole Miss, uh, Michigan, a lot of big name schools. He's got, he's got the talent to do it. Uh, it's just going to depend on the coaching. And so for him, you, 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 he, you got to think that he's pretty excited about the opportunity that's going to be in front of him. And then the last thought here, I've said this several times. I don't know if I've said it on this show, but I've said it in kind of talking about what I envisioned for the, and I wrote about this actually for the state of Louisville, but I, I always kind of thought that not taking a quarterback uh, before McCaffrey was kind of one of these like silver lining thing. When you think about the future of Louisville, because one thing that I think has hurt Satterfield in recruiting is that they've had Malik Cunningham on the roster. It's pretty obvious to start to quarterbacks coming in that Malik is the guy, right? And in right. this day and age, freshmen are playing more and more. They are, they have the ability to leave after one year if they don't get playing time. So, you, you know, you, you want to pick the right guy. And I always thought the way to go about this was go get a transfer that's maybe a freshman sophomore, which McCaffrey checks that box as a redshirt freshman, and then go recruit the 2021 class, the top 15 quarterbacks who you think match your system in the rankings and say, look, you want to play? We got a spot. We don't have a quarterback next year. Come play at Louisville. All you got to do is just beat out a kid who transferred here. Like, that's it. Just come to Louisville. We'll put you in a competition. There's a really good chance for you to step into a starting job. Uh, and I think that that's hurt them each of the last two seasons in trying to find that next guy. So let's move on a little bit here. Spring practice, as we talked about at the beginning, is in is entering into week four this week. We just wrapped up week three. Matt has, um, in his soft J journalism job this week, been <laughs> on the press conferences and has gotten to ask some questions and talk to the coaches. This week we heard from Pete Thomas quarterbacks coach we heard from scott satterfield the head coach of the program and then we heard from court dennison the outside linebackers um and co-defensive coordinator i believe he still holds that that, that title yeah that i'm correct? pretty sure he's still cody it's weird you don't really ever hear that much when you when you talk about the defensive coordinator position but tell me this week um one thing from each press conference that stood out to you let's start with coach satterfield because he talked earliest in the week what was it that you heard from him that that just kind of sticks with you today well, you know how up to this point we've we've heard from several coaches and they all say glowing things about each player in their uh, position group. They they want to they try and hype them up, not really try and hype them up, just make them sound better than they are. But they're they're always really high on their guys. And just talking to Satterfield, he he kind of said a little bit of the same. Like yeah, like the guys are are performing really well. But he he also said hey, still got to get better, still got to get better, still got to get better. He kind of brought. Like, and that was just in his opening statement too. Like, yeah, this is, a, this is an evaluation period where this is where we're trying to figure out who is going to be the next guys to kind of stand out. So while he, he, he's still sold on his guys just as much as the rest of the other coaches are, but he, he kind of uh, reeled us in a little bit saying like, Hey, our guys are good, but we still got work to do. We still have progress to be made. There's still positions that need to be won in the position battles through spring and then summer workouts, fall camp, yada, yada, yada. But it was still nice to see him in the same room say that, Hey, I, I like what I see so far. And then with uh, Pete Thomas and Malik Cunningham, they kind of talked at the same time and you can, and Jacob take a while. I guess it's what they talked to. I'm going to guess that the theme of that press conference was definitely the job Malik did at throwing touchdowns last year. Right. It wasn't <laughs> turnovers. There's no way anybody asked about that. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. No, no turnovers were definitely not. We're not talk, uh, talked about. I'm joking. Yeah. Of course, turnovers are brought at some point and they've kind of, it's like we've talked about before on, on this show, how Malik kind of has to develop the rapport with some of these new receivers that are stepping into these roles in the wake of uh Tutu Atwell and Des Patrick moving on to the NFL. And fortunately it seems like they've already long been working on that because in several of these guys have already been here for a year, like your Jordan Watkins and, Justin Marshalls and Josh Johnson, all that. So it's people who's already been here for more than a year. 
So it's not going to take a whole lot. It's just more so on the receivers end to kind of step up into that new increased role. And with the guys that are coming in, like uh, Mari Huggins, Bruce, Wirtz, Demetrius Cannon, they've already made progress in uh, both on and off the field and like building those relationships, building that chemistry early on that's needed to actually uh, convert their their raw talent into production. So and, and, and that was good to hear. And plus, Pete Thomas, when he was talking about the subject, he was kind of getting into the nitty gritty of uh, – what exactly Malik has to actually work on when it comes to, you know, preventing some of these turnovers and something that kind of stood out to me, he, he doesn't actually get in Malik's ear all the time and say, Hey, you can't turn the ball over, can't turn the ball over, can't turn the ball over. He really made it a point to say, Hey, I'm not going to be the guy that just says, Hey, you can't do this. Don't do it. He's more so working on like, okay, do this, this, and this, and this, and this to make sure that you don't do that. And a couple of the things that stood out was that of course, Stay, uh, stay, stay in the pocket. Don't try and scramble whenever the first read's not there. And whenever you have to do scramble, two, two hands on the football. Don't be throwing that thing out there like a loaf of bread. And then whenever the play is done, if you don't have any other receiver, dump it to the running back. And even Malik said it, Malik and Satterfield said it a lot that they've been working on dumping out to the running back a lot yes. more finally, than the years past. Finally, JV and Hawkins last year, he finally caught a pass out of the backfield and as we ha- we went into last year on the Big Red Lake podcast, I talked about all the time, the big wrinkle this year has to be throwing the ball to the running back, checking the football down. He did not do that one time in 2019. And he did in 2020. It got better. It wasn't great. But I love to hear that because you, when you have speed out of the running back position, just throw him the football. It's a screen. It's a screen pass. You know, if he's open, give it to him and let him make a play. Mm-hmm. They just never seem to be able to figure out how to do it. Right, checkdowns and first downs. I mean, he even used that phrase too. And you would think in, a, in an offense as dynamic as this one that a simple checkdown to the running back would be something that'd be more ingrained in their system. But then again, I'm not a college coach. I'm not an offensive coordinator. What do I know? And then uh, lastly, we had uh, Court Dennison and Monty Montgomery just a couple of days ago. And Court can't talk enough about how deep he's got his uh, his starting position players are at the outside backer, especially at a uh, at card. I based on what we saw at the end of the season with a uh, yes, yes, Abdullah, I think it's, it's going to, he's going to have a monster 2021 because he's, he's continuing to say that he looks like a man possessed. He he's performing well in spring and then his, and his, Oh God, who's his backup? Uh, Nick Okiki. Yep. He, he's performing well and he's being that leader that he needs to be. He's arguably can be, he's probably the best leader in that outside like linebackers group and then position a dog. It, it's going to be an open competition between Marvin Dallas and Zay Peterson, but they're both, it's not like either of them can't separate. It's that they're both doing so well that it, you can't even begin to name a starter at this point. So th- there's, and we've talked about how something that Louisville on the defensive side of the ball really needs to do is work on getting more negative plays. And based off what we've heard so far, at least from that position, maybe not so much the defensive line, but it sounds like the outside backer is going to make up for a lot of ground that uh, needs to be made up. Yeah, I, I, let me just kind of jump back to Scott Satterfield. The thing that I, I heard him say this week that really intrigued me, um, and the reason why it intrigued me might be selfish because I heard a little bit of him saying Jacob Lane was right when he said this on the From the Pink Seats podcast, but he said the nose tackle is a problem. <laughs> He, he flat out said, Destel's not healthy. That's an issue. That's a thing right now. We got to, he said, I think his quote was, we have to be better. And yeah. I've told you, that's my concern on the defense. That nose tackle position is just a glaring red flag. No offense to Malik Clark. Malik Clark has played extremely well to the fact that two years ago when Scott Satterfield's first season happened, I didn't know who Malik Clark was. And then you start hearing his name every couple of plays or every once in a while behind Gigi and Jared Goldwire. Uh, and then last year he was he was wasn't healthy. Stepped into the role. I think he's a good player, but is he a starter? I don't think so. That Scott Satterfield talking about the nose tackle position tells me everything I need to know. And and you were absolutely right. He mentioned that yeah, not only is is uh, Louisville not that great, mo- mainly because Desmond Tell is still out with an injury he suffered against UVA last year. But he even said that th- there might. It's what you've been saying the last few episodes. Louisville's uh, next defensive tackle is probably not even on the roster yet. No, I don't like, think and, so. they're, and they're still looking into the, throughout the semester and into the summer. 
He yeah, straight because, up said that. And there's going to be players who like Marquis Lowry transferred. And we got, we finally got word of that last week before the Luke McCaffrey thing. I think that we're going to see after spring ball, a couple more guys head out because they see that there's just not a clear cut step into the role. Like they maybe kind of thought it was, and I'm not going to throw names out there. Cause I don't think that's fair, but no, um, I think that there's going to be a scholarship open up at some point and Louisville's going to have the opportunity to go out and nose tackle better be the position of focus from day one. The second thing I thought about, and I don't really want to spend too much time on this, but um, I, and I, I totally nerded out the other night texting you about this. Scott Satterfield called out Trevor Reed, second coach to now talk about Trevor Reed this offseason. Jack Bignell got an offensive line boner talking about Trevor Reed. Like he's <laughs> like, man, that's an athlete. I don't know if he could play, but he's an athlete. And then Scott Satterfield says that they have now getting him first team reps. Adonis Boone has started to move inside to guard, which I find to be really interesting because I thought the guard positions are kind of settled. Maybe I'm wrong here. That right. right that right guard position is going to be the one I'm kind of watching. But Caleb Chandler is by all you know means and purposes the starter at left guard, unless there's something that I don't know. You're right. talking about I, a fifth year senior. I would think that that's the guy you want out there. Played every snap just about last year. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Reed's going to be like the the every day, every down left tackle, starting left tackle. I think he's going to get his fair share of reps because he's too good of an athlete to not see the field. I mean, we've, we've seen him do a, a backflip and he's a 300 pounder. I mean, I'm 270 and I can't do that. And <laughs> And that's more of a reflection on me than him, <laughs> yeah. but I'm going to move on from that one. It's so good. You, earlier you got it on me for saying I'm not Ed McCaffrey, and here you are like, I'm 270 pounds and I can't do a flip. Well, no shit you can't do a flip, Matt. Yeah, I, not I, an I, offensive I, tackle. Yeah, I, I didn't think about that, but I, I, I digress. But um, I still think uh, Adonis <laughs> – I can't stop laughing. Okay, mm, serious. Trying to th- picturing you trying to do a flip is just pure art in my head right now. Gosh. Uh, oh, Jesus. Anyways, I, I think uh, – I think Adonis Boone is still going to be uh, the main starter at left tackle and still take the majority of reps there. But I still think it's going to have we're going to see Trevor Reed get to get in there. I think it might be 65, 35, maybe even 60, 40. But I think Adonis is still the starter there it's just because, like you said, I think Caleb Chandler is still still really performing at a relatively high level. And I still think unless we're not seeing something in spring practice, which media didn't have access to it this year because of the pandemic. But I, I, I'm still picturing Cole Bentley as being the main starter at center. I mean, like I said, kind of with um, with Trevor Reed at left tackle, I still think Brian Huston could probably get some steps there because he's got experience at center. And then we have the, right, like you said, right guard. Who's going to get there? Is it going to be Robbie Bell? Is it going to be Brian Hudson? Is, is, is Camden George finally going to make the decision if he's going to come back? I Because I still have no idea what's going on on that on. On that Cam end. DeGeorge is pulling a I'm trying to I'm trying to think of a comparison here. He is pulling a Peyton Manning. He is pulling a I don't need to go through my seventh camp, my seventh spring practice. I'm gonna chill. I'm gonna figure it out and then I'll let you know. Brett Favre is a good example. He used to try to skip training camp every year. That's but true. like when you've been playing college football for 14 years, like Cameron DeGeorge, it makes sense to want to skip that. I want to create a little bit of a controversy here. This is what I was talking about when I was nerding out the other night. I was texting you watching the Pete Thomas video that U of L released on their social media, which by the way, I already really liked Pete Thomas because he let me ask him an arena football question without getting <laughs> upset. Um, you know, some coaches don't like to be playful like that. I thought that no. was a, that was a fun interview that we did with him, but uh, I love him. His coaching is it's, it's, it fits right in. I see why Scott Satterfield hired him. He, he fits right in on that staff. But I was nerding out in the final five seconds of that video because you see Tyler Jensen throw a pass, and essentially what they do is they rotate from third string to first string, and you see five offensive linemen walk into the screen, and I press pause to see who the five offensive linemen were, and they were not who I thought it would be. Now, this is, this is spring practice, so they're rotating right. guys in here, whatever the case is. But that, for this podcast, nobody needs to know that. Here's the five <laughs> offensive linemen. Trevor Reed at left tackle, I'm assuming. All right. Caleb Chandler. Okay. Brian Hudson. Okay. Center, I assume. Renato Brown. Okay. Joshua Black. That was the five that were running first team with Malik. And I paused it and I rewinded it. I looked at numbers. I went to the roster. I thought it was interesting. Like, I know it's just a video, but this gives us a little insight into something that I predicted when I wrote about Jack Bignell. Everything that we knew about this offensive line goes out the window. Now, Dwayne Ledford's yeah. guys aren't Dwayne Ledford's guys anymore. They're now Jack Bicknell's guys. So we're going to start to see some of these younger guys get rotated in. But I'm talking about that's two starters from last year who are back 
that aren't in the starting lineup. And that and now it's just one play. I get it. Probably people out there. Right. Really right. Joshua Black, nobody expects him to be a starter on this offensive line. Brian Hudson over Cole Bentley. Cole Bentley's back for a fifth season. That's an upset right there. I know he's a transfer with a lot of potential, but to to, to be able to unseat a, a fifth-year senior, that's crazy. And then Trevor Reed, which we kind of talked about. Moving forward, let's talk about uh, last here, Court Dennison. And this is more of just uh, something I'm curious in your opinion on because I don't I don't know if he was asked this, but he talked about he's really excited about his starters, really excited about the card position, really excited about the dog position. And I know he doesn't coach the inside linebackers, or at least he didn't used to. I think Derek Nicholson coaches the yeah, inside D- linebackers. Yeah, D- D- so has got those. So we'll probably hear from him this week. Uh, I would imagine him and Greg Gras- Gasparato are the last two coaches that will speak with the media. Um, but I'm interested to hear about the backups here. And you talked a little bit about it at the outside linebacker position uh, with Nico Kiki. Cam Wilson is a guy I'm curious to kind of see what the progress is there. On the card on the card side, uh, Scott Satterfield talked about Jack Fago. He talked about him fitting in really well and doing some things at card. You talked about Zay Peterson and Marvin Dallas. But I'm curious to know about the inside linebacking depth i'm curious to know about dorian jones and kj cloyd yeah, i, I want to hear more about kj back. cloyd that's something i would kind of i'm curious of what you know when those guys come to the podium this week what are what are some things that you're kind of trying to figure out uh, in the final couple of coaches right because i remember looking at a kj cloyd shuko film and very first play out of the gate is just he's he's, he's like a bullet train going after the whoever's in the backfield. He, he had incredibly impressive film. Now it's, it's Juco. It's not the ACC, but he was someone who I thought would be a little bit more impactful, like maybe not directly out of the gates, but, you know, as the season went on, like maybe got a little bit more playing time, maybe was a little bit more evident on the gridiron, but he, he, he was mainly just on special teams. And that's not, that's not saying that's a bad thing because that's special where you got to start. Yeah, you got to yeah. start. But it, it was interesting to see, maybe, maybe he took a little bit more time to acclimate to you know, power five football coming out of Juco, but I, I think he's got a lot of potential and I think he could, he could be what Monty Montgomery was last year with Monty Montgomery elevation starter now. Yeah. That, I, that I might be, Good maybe that might be a little bit too bold of a prediction because I don't, that would assume that he would see the amount of, you know, snaps that Monty saw last year, but I think that's what the roles could be potentially um, evolve into. If I, if I gun to head had to choose, or I had to kind of determine how the rotations are at inside the linebacker, specifically at a, a middle or weeks, so whichever one that is. Yeah, yeah. I think that obviously Monty's starter, but then KJ Cloyd is going to be what Monty was last year. Yeah. I think that that's, that's a good um, kind of opinionated prediction there. I, I, I thought that and we kind of talked about this a little bit, but towards the end of the season, when Louisville got the younger guys out on the field, um, special teams, defense, they looked faster. They looked like they were kind of flying around. And Cloyd was a big reason for that. Same with Marvin Dallas. So to get those guys in the field on defense is, is something I'm really excited about. And Dorian Jones, is he's been here. He's in that first class. Uh, injured a couple of years, hasn't gotten to play much. So he's a guy I'm interested to see get on the field. All right, final thing here. Like I said, we're going to go into the week. I'm assuming the coaching pool that they're going to pull from is Coach Brewer, Coach Holt. Coach Gusperato and um, uh, 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 Coach Nicholson. Uh, what are some things that you kind of are expecting? And this is, it's spring. So like, it's going to be kind of hard to predict this, but what are some of the things right. that you're kind of storylines expecting some of your, your fellow journalists to kind of ask? And, and what are you kind of wanting to learn this week and next week? I think with Coach Brew, I think it's just going to be like the very first thing is going to be how, who, how are they going to step up with losing the top two receivers? Because Tutu and Dez, they were literally half the receiving production, both in receptions, yards, touchdowns, all that. Literally half of your production in the passing game is now gone. How are the guys that are returning and how are the guys who are incoming going to step up into these roles? I think with the inside linebacker, we're going to have probably it's going to be centered a lot on TJ Avery and his, and his decision to kind of come back and how uh, Monty Montgomery is is handling uh, his increased role, his increased leadership, because he did speak uh, whenever Court Dennison, even though he was outside linebackers when he was talking and he talked about how he's treating this year a lot more seriously. He's not in the back of the meeting room goofing off with the young guys. He's he's being a being a lot more level headed, being a lot more of a vocal leader and just a leader in general and it, it, it it's a good it's a good step in the right direction not saying that he needed that step in the right direction because he's already a phenomenal player and i think he's great for the the inside linebackers room but I, it, it's great to see that and then out of sue holt it's going to be i think it's obviously going to have i asked about march on forward because he's probably the most productive returning pass catcher period 
because uh, I'm pretty sure I can't remember how many touchdowns he he had, but I know it's, it was the most out of the active guys returning. Yeah. So obviously we're going to get questions about him. Then we're going to ask about some of the guys behind them, and then some of the, the two newcomers, what their roles are going to be, how they're going to fit into the scheme. And I, I can't wait because there's still a lot to still a lot to ask. There's still a lot to find out. Yeah, we're we're going to see what we're going to find out. Hopefully nothing too. I don't want to say controversial, but nothing too out there. They're not really expecting. Sure. And and for the Louisville football fans who are questioning whether you're in the right spot, if you were really into football, like you love it so much and you hear Matt getting excited about asking about the backup tight ends, you've made it to the right podcast. Go ahead and hit subscribe, share with a friend. Like, you know, you've made it when you when you hear Matt's analysis on the backup tight ends. I mean, I was uh, talking about how I wrote about walk-ons the last episode. <laughs> there is no questioning your journalism here, Matt. Like you're, you're, you're worked at work at, alone deserves the capital j in this world you you're doing a great job and you carry us in terms of the journalistic approach here on this on this podcast so we're going to wrap things up here um hopefully you guys will continue to tune in and listen give us a follow on uh, twitter at uh, pink seats pod from i always get that mixed up uh be sure to follow matt at general Watts. you can follow me at jacob lane 08 you are also into louisville baseball make sure that you are checking out the third and central podcast just launched last week with uh louisville baseball head coach dan mcdonald matt and matt at bat is our secondary name for that and you guys are i doing cannot a great believe job it <laughs> of, of course my girlfriend comes up with that like half an hour after she realized that I have a baseball specific podcast and I just, we did I'm not going to service man. I'm not going to lie when I saw that that notification scroll across my phone I was just like damn that's we, good we may be headed towards a complete rebrand here before we get into episode <laughs> two but be sure to follow uh the third and central podcast uh just subscribe to that anywhere podcasts are found also be sure to follow that on twitter and then all of our other podcasts that are out there i mentioned the red chips podcast with dalton pence find that anywhere podcasts are found and then starting 502 that is f-i-v-e the number o and the number two that is the, the louisville basketball podcast hosted by will reddington and preston meyer we'll catch up with you next week Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.